We're starting our series called Your Supersized Life. Your Supersized Life. And if your mind just went to McDonald's, just bring it back, okay? Bring it back. We're not going there. Uh, you might be in a few minutes after the service, but uh, that's your decision. And I, I just can't stop you. But uh, Your Supersized Life. And where I'm going with this is that I believe God has so much more for your life and for my life, so much more than just today. Getting through today, getting through this week, getting through next week, just kind of punching the clock, checking off boxes. God has so much more for your life than that. And that's what we want to talk about. That's what I want to talk about over these next few weeks. Uh, turn your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 1, and we'll get there in, in just a little bit. We'll, uh, it'll take us a while to get there, but you'll be ready when we do. I want you to think about today... Um, Eternity. I want you to think about life and death. And uh, let me start by saying I don't believe we in our in the, this Western culture of ours uh, do well with life and death. Uh, we we don't manage it well. We don't navigate it well. We don't. And, and proof is in the pudding of of you know, anytime you go to a funeral or things. There's just this awkwardness to that. There there are more questions than answers. And uh, there's, there's just a blank look on most of our faces. Uh, for me, too, growing up, I think I was 12 years old when we had a, a family death. My grandfather passed away when I was 12 years old. And it was, I remember it vividly. It was a summertime, and I was over at a friend's house. Uh, I'd been uh, hanging out with a friend of mine from church. Uh, I'd been over there a few days. I got a call from my dad and, in the morning, and he said, your grandfather's had a heart attack. They've taken him to the hospital. It doesn't look good. And so that was phone call one. Phone call two came a few hours later, and it was, your grandfather has passed away. And immediately, I just I didn't know how to navigate that. I didn't know what to do with that. It was it was just what I was I was relatively close to my grandfather, and and yet it, it was just this. What do I do? And my dad asked me, "Do you want me to come pick you up and, and bring you home?" And and I remember vividly that my choice, my decision was, "No, Dad, I'd rather stay here at my friend's house um, for another day." And looking back on that, it was, it was evident that I, was, I just didn't want to deal with it. I enjoyed life as it was going on at my friend's house, and I just wanted to press pause and put it aside. Now, eventually, I went home and we went through the funeral and all that, but it was very evident to me that, uh, that that's how a lot of us, if not all of us, uh, tend to relate to this subject of, of life and death. What do we do with it? How do we navigate it? How do we, we go through this? As a pastor, I have uh, done my, share, uh, my fair share of funerals. Uh, over the years, 30 years of ministry, you get very uh, um, comfortable, even though the, comfortable is probably not the, the right word, but, but it, it's, it's very familiar. That's probably a better word, familiar. In this, and, but my observation is no matter how familiar this process is of, of life and death, and, and particularly dying is, you never get completely 100% there. There's, there's still those, those questions. And why is it? It's because we look at, at life and death from, from the perspective of, of time and space. We look at it from our point of view. And so we have questions. There are always questions. 
uh, after first service, uh, I got talking to a couple and, and it was right along the lines. I said, Pastor, these are questions we have all the time. These are things that we face each and every day. So the question I want to ask is, what is life all about? What are you here for? What is your life that you're living for? And I want to state loud and clear right off the bat that, that your life is more than just today. That might be a, a profound statement. It might, it, it might be just a lame statement to you, but I want you to hear the intent behind it. Your life is more than just today. It's more than just this week, next, next week, next month, next year. Your life is so much more than what you see living here in time and space. Uh, back in the, in the 70s, uh, as you know, we grew up in the, uh, I grew up on the west coast of Canada. We vacationed down in Southern California a lot, and one of my favorite places to go was Disneyland, the happiest place on earth, right? Well, uh, on a later trip, uh, we'd, we'd go down there quite a bit, and it was always, you walk into Disneyland, it's just like, ah, you know, the, the music's playing, everything's neat and tidy, and it's just, it, it, it's utopic to a certain degree. Uh, a later uh, time we went, uh, it was a youth trip. Uh, we took kids from our, our church down there and we were having a lot of fun. It's much different going down as a youth leader with a whole bunch of kids than it is going with your family. Um, but I will say this, that, uh, that it, was, it still had that same aura around it. Uh, the happiest place of earth, on earth. It's a, a wonderful place to go. The rides, the sights, the smells, the food, all the, those things. And uh, whether it's, uh, it's a small world or the Matterhorn or Space Mountain, it's, it's just, it's put together. And you're, you, you move into this, this environment that is, is so perfect. Well, we went on this one ride and uh, it, it's called Splash Mountain. It's the story of Br'er Rabbit and, and how he ends up in the, in the uh, thorn patch and, and the, the, you know, the, the bucket of tar and all that. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing as you go through this, this ride, just uh, what you see around you. It's all perfection. It's all telling the story. And well, we get about two-thirds of the way through this ride. We go down the, 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 the big, huge hill, and, or the, 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 the <laughs> I guess it's a, a, a slide that you go down like Cody was talking about. You get, you, know, you get to the top and then go down. Well, and then there's a little bit left of the story as you're going through. And all of a sudden, this log that we're in stops. It just stops. It comes to a stop and everyone's looking around going, that's not good. That's probably something that's not a part of the ride. And, and all of a sudden, all these other logs that people are sitting in are coming to a stop as well. And uh, we're just sitting there. And the music's going, and it's the happiest place on earth. And we're just sitting there, and we're looking at the, these animatronic uh, animals doing their thing. And, and then they cycle through again, and they're telling the same story again, and we're not moving anywhere. Well, all of a sudden, we knew that something was broken or something that, that needed fixing when uh, an announcement came over and it was, well, looks like we have a log jam up ahead. Uh, we'll get things moving right away. And, and we're like, okay, well, uh, after a few more minutes, uh, some uh, Disneyland employees start coming out through the sets and around these animatronic animals. And uh, they say, um, the ride is broken. Would you please follow us? 
like, okay, well, we're not supposed to get out of these logs, but we, you know, kind of hike out onto the, uh, uh, the set and we make our way and there's these emergency doors that you can actually get out and, and move. And what was amazing to me was here we were in uh, the magic kingdom and, and this, this utopic environment and then the emergency doors open and you're in a parking lot. It's like this altered state. You just uh, you, you go across the threshold. I'm in the happiest place on earth and now I'm in a parking lot. There's a dumpster and there's uh, you know, some trams going by with some other employees. And I'm like, uh, can we go back in there? It's just, uh, it, it, I tell you, for the very first time, I got to see behind the scenes in, in Disneyland. And we kind of all walked in single file. Uh, they didn't make us close our eyes or anything, but it was, they took us out and around the back and, the, and back through a gate, uh, back to where we could get into the real world again, uh, yeah, real world. But it was amazing to me that, that we were living in kind of this environment and for a moment we got a snapshot into what was behind the scenes. Like I tell you, that's a little bit about, uh, about our lives. We're living in time and space. We're living in this environment. We're living in this place. And, and yet there's another perspective, there's another dimension, another realm that's called eternity that, that we find it very difficult to comprehend from our side, from the here and now. And when it comes to life, it's, it, the here and now is easy. It's easy to understand, at least to a certain degree, it's easy. But it's that eternity that's difficult for us to comprehend. Why? Because we live in time and space. We live here. We don't live there right now, and so we have limited perspective. And so I believe it's important for us to get God's perspective on the matter, for us to get a little bit of a glimpse of, of the way he see th sees things and how he views eternity, even from our perspective. I tell you, there was a, a, a time in college that... Uh, I believe God was revealing to me a little bit of this perspective that he has. Um, you see, I grew up in Vancouver, Canada, and if you've ever been to Vancouver, there are three mountains that overlook the city. There's ski hills up there, and during the winter, people go up there skiing, and, and as you're skiing, you're looking down over the city and, and seeing what's going on. Well, one summer, we went mountain biking, and, and this one mountain, it has a, a, a road that goes up the backside of it. It's a mountain biking trail. Uh, I guess they use it for accessing the, the ski hill in, in uh, the, the off-season, but it's also open to mountain bikes. So me and a, a few buddies of mine, we, we got on our mountain bikes and we rode up to the, the top of the mountain. And during the summer, the, the facilities at the top, the restaurants and that are all open for hikers and tourists and, and that. So we get up to the top of this mountain and, and it's about 3.30, 4 in the afternoon. And we decide we're going to have a burger and some sodas up there. And this is really roughing it as far as mountain biking trips. But uh, we, so we park our bikes. We, we get into the cafe there, we order our burgers, and we're sitting out on this deck. It was a beautiful summer day. And down below us, a thousand feet or so down below us uh, in, in the valley is Vancouver. The city is more than two million people. And, and the radio was playing with some, with some music in this cafe that we were at eating our burgers and just having a grand time. Well, it was that time of day and the, the traffic report came across the radio. 
And we're sitting there eating our burgers and this music stops and they're like, hey, just want to let you know that uh, on East 41st Avenue, there's an accident. And so if you're, if you're planning to take that route, you might want to take a different route around. And, and Kingsway, is, you know, that's just block solid. And if you're trying to get home before nine tonight, you better take another route. And so they're going. And, and accident after accident, uh, traffic jam after traffic jam, they're just listing these things down. And you can, you can hear kind of this anxiety of the report saying, if you're in traffic, you got to do something. You got to, you know, fend for your life, you know, every man for themselves, you know, just do it. And we're sitting up there eating burgers and drinking sodas going, doesn't affect us. And you know what was even more interesting was from where I was sitting, I know enough about the city that when the announcer, the reporter was saying East 41st Avenue, I knew that that was just you know, maybe a mile or two from where I, I live. And I could see kind of the general area of the city where that would be in. And I tell you, my perspective being up on the mountain looking down on a city, even though I could see it, was much different than somebody sitting in their Honda Accord right in the middle of that traffic jam. And you know, I think that was a, a, a God-revealed uh, example of the way he sees things versus how we see things. You know, we get in the, in the busyness of our lives. We get in the, in, it could be the joys or the fears. It could be the successes or the failures. Whatever the, the expanse of our life is, we're in the middle of it. We're in time and space. We're, we're, we're in the comings and the goings, the here and the now, the, uh, the death and the life. And yet, what is God's perspective on the matter? You know, when we're in the middle of it, we can't see the big picture. And yet, who is God and what is he like and what does he see? I think it's important for us to keep in mind. You see, I believe that God reveals himself to us. You know, the psalmist said in Psalm 139 that, that God's ways are so lofty, so unimaginable. They're just massive. Even our minds can't comprehend how incredible God is. Paul said in Romans 11, the depths of the riches, the wisdom and knowledge of God, who can know the mind of God? It's just amazing beyond comprehension. And you see, we can't wrap our minds around it, and yet I believe God reveals to us what this supersized life looks like. It's not just today. It's not just living your life for this week or, or next month or that, the next paycheck or the next time you're going to see family or the next time you're going to have that birthday celebration or the next time you get a, a pay raise or a promotion. That's not what this life is all about. And God reveals that the span of years that you call our lives is not the extent of your life. You see, life is this life, yes, but it's also the life to come. Let me say that again. The life you live is this life, but it's also the life to come. John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come to give them a rich and satisfying life. Another version says, life to the full. Life to the full, a satisfying life. The, the Greek word there is parisos which means over an abundance, this, this overflowing more than is necessary. It's beyond measure. 
Same word that we see in, in Ephesians chapter 3. When it says that, that he who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, that word immeasurably more, that more is parisos abundance, this overabundance. And so what God is saying is this life is full, full to abundance, and that is part A of our life. It goes on, John, 1 John 5. John says, I've written this to you, you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. So yes, we have life to the full, but we also have eternal life. And it's very specific that our lives are not single-faceted. We're not just living on the inside of the happiest place on earth. There's also that which is beyond the door that we call death. So part one is this life. Part two is the life to come. And they are both absolutely 100% real. You see, Solomon in Ecclesiastes 3 says that God has planted eternity in every human heart. It's something that resonates with us. It's not just a fabric of our imagination. It's not something that we just hope for. It's something that's a reality that God has wired us to know. Cody, back in, in January, was, was preaching, and he, he had a big, long rope up here. Many of you will remember. And he had a little piece of tape tied around the, the end of the rope. And he said that, that tape is really an example of our lives here on earth and how the rest of the rope, the, the, the length of it going off into eternity is, is the eternity that God has for each and every one of us to live. Those are those two parts of our lives that God sees from his perspective. There's evidence, there's tremendous evidence that it's there. But you may, like me, get to a point where you say, well, what for? Okay, I can acknowledge the fact that there's this life. I can acknowledge the fact that there's eternity to come, but, but what's the big deal? That's where I want us to take a look at Jeremiah chapter one. And as uh, Jason said, I love Old Testament reference, references too and the way that God interact with his, interacted with his people in the Old Testament. Whether it was Abraham or Moses or, or Jacob, Prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, it's interesting study there how, how Isaiah's calling was much the same in, in a similar manner as, as Jeremiah's. Even their responses were similar. I love the story of Samuel, a young man in the temple of the Lord under Eli the priest, and, and even there in that place heard his voice being called, Samuel, Samuel. God speaking and God calling, God saying his name. And here in Jeremiah 1, we have the same thing. God calling the prophet, God speaking his name. And take a look at verse 4 of Jeremiah 1. It says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, God, God spoke to Jeremiah here. And this is Jeremiah recounting God's words specifically to him. And look what he said. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. And here, Jeremiah engages in this conversation with God. God comes and taps him on the shoulder and says, Jeremiah, here's what I see. Here's the perspective that I have on your life. 
God says, let me tell you why you're here, Jeremiah. How many of you would love a conversation like that with God? Hey, uh, Darren, here's why you are here. Here's what's going on from my perspective, says God. Man, I'd love a conversation like that. Well, let's dig in a little bit more, and I believe this is a conversation that God wants to have with each one of us, even today. So for all of us, I want us to hear that your life, your questions, it's all about living for so much more. And the first thing God told Jeremiah was this, Jeremiah, I created you. What I want you to hear from God today is, I created you. God created you. He made you. He formed you. He wired you. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. It's the same as, as Psalm 139, as the psalmist says, Lord, you knit me together. You formed me. You saw my unformed body. You knit me together. You created me. I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Over and over, person after person in history, created, formed, pre-wired as God designed. God knows you. He's wired you. He's formed you. He's molded you, quirks and all. And every spouse just elbowed their, their husband or their wife. Quirks and all. God made you unique, special, one of a kind in his image. That's what God wanted Jeremiah to know. The second thing he wanted Jeremiah to know is that he was called. I believe that God wants you to know today that you are called. To Jeremiah, he says, before, I, before you were born, I set you apart. There's a word, a theological word called sanctified. Hagiadzo is the, is the term, is, the, is the, the Greek word. Set apart for holy purposes. You see, in biblical writing, in biblical understanding, in religious understanding, that you could have a, a, a candelabra or you could have a candelabra in the temple of the Lord. You could have a, a candelabra for, for common purposes or you could have one that's set aside for holy purpose. You could have an altar that was set apart or you could have a, an altar that was, was set there and it was for common purposes or you could have an altar in the temple of the Lord that was for holy purposes. And this is the idea of God telling Jeremiah that he was called. In fact, he was saying, I have set you apart for my purposes. I've set you apart, tapped you on the shoulder. I have a role for you. I've called you. I remember as a kid, I played soccer. I wasn't a good soccer player, but I played soccer. And I would often uh, watch the game from the sidelines. And when we'd get up by about nine goals, the, the coach would look down the bench and would tap me on the shoulder and say, Ember, you're in. Woo! That's what God was doing to Jeremiah here. He was looking down his bench and he was going, Jeremiah, you're in. I have called you. Not only have I created you, but here I am calling you. I'm setting you apart for my purposes, for holy purposes. I am sanctifying you. 
I have called you, you're in. And just like Jeremiah and Isaiah and Samuel and David and the disciples and Paul, and you can go through scripture, person after person after person, the tap on the shoulder, and God says, you're in. And I want you to know today that God has tapped you on the shoulder and he's saying, you're in, it's your time. I have called you. You see, it's not just a matter of saying, hey, I'm going to Ireland. Hey, I'm going to Africa. Hey, I'm going to South America. Hey, I'm going, yes, I'm, I'm becoming a pastor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my life to, it. It, that is yes, but that is not the only yes. Because I believe that 99.9% .9 of you here today have been tapped on the shoulder and what God is calling you to is right in front of your nose right now. To many of you, it's closer than you think. And we'll get into that in just a minute, but we all need to understand and realize that God has created us and called us. Third thing that God spoke to Jeremiah about was the commission. And it's really what we did earlier with Wadsworth family. We commissioned them. So there's the creation, there's the calling, but then there's the commissioning. And the commissioning would be like me sitting on the bench there in the soccer game and my coach coming up, tapping me on the shoulder and saying, I have a job for you. And this happened. Coach came over and he said, see number seven over there. And, and he had to, the coach had to put it down and break it down real simple for me. I was soccerly challenged. Um, he came over and he said, see number seven over there. I said, yes, sir. He said, I want you to create an imaginary bubble that's about three feet wide around number seven. I do not want you to leave that bubble. And I said, yes, sir. And I went out in the field and uh, I did everything I could to stay in the bubble of number seven. That was my job. And I did it really well to the point where number seven didn't like me very much. <laughs> but there was a job, there was a role, there was a function that I was given a job description, it's marching orders. I tell you, my very first job as a kid was delivering newspapers. And it was when I, I you know, you have these, these bags and, and you put newspapers in them and you walk the streets and you fold them up and you throw them up on, on people's roofs. I mean, on their, on their <laughs> front porch. Over the fence into the backyard, they'll get it. Once a month, I had to go back to my customers and collect uh, the money that was due. It was a part of my job. It was my role. It was something, I, it was a job and a task I was given. Each and every one of us has been given a job. Each one of us has been commissioned to do the work of the Lord. To Jeremiah, God said, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I appointed you for this task, for this reason. Think about that for a second. God has called you, sorry, he's created you. God has called you, tapped you on the shoulder. And what I want you to hear this morning is God has given you a job. He's commissioned you. You don't have to come up onto this platform and have us lay our hands on you for you to have a job in the kingdom of God. God has set you up. God has wired you so specifically. You just watch. Like I said, I think for a lot of us, 99.9% .9 of us, the job that God has called us to is much closer than we think. 
I believe for a lot of husbands, the job is to your wives. For a lot of wives, the job is to your spouse or to your, to your husband. To family members, for, for kids, I think your job is for your parents. For parents, I think for the job is for your, your kids, especially if they're not close to the Lord, especially if they're not walking with the Lord, especially if they're far from the Lord. How about your work? How about your neighborhood? How about, how about the places you come and go in the course of a week? See, it's a God perspective on things. So many of us feel that our lives is just making it through today, making it through next week, making it through this year and surviving. No, God doesn't want you to survive. God wants you to thrive. Let me say it again. God does not want you to just survive. God didn't create you to just survive. God didn't call you to just get out of this day breathing. God wants you to thrive. God has so much for you of the depths, the riches, the wisdom and knowledge of God. Who can comprehend the amazing things that God has in store for those who love him? who are called, what? According to his purpose. You believe it? You believe it? Has God called you and given you the purpose? You see, it's about the kingdom of God. You know, most of us get thinking that our lives are benign, our lives are just ambiguous, our lives are just whatever. Our lives really don't mean much. That's a lie of the enemy. You see, the enemy wants you to just kind of fade away. To be fearful of this life. To be fearful of death. To be questioning whether or not eternity is real. Those are the doubts that the enemy puts on. But as we sung earlier, we're no longer slaves to fear. Why? Because we're children of God. We, we know who we are. We know we've been tapped on the shoulder and we know we've been given a mandate and we've been commissioned to carry out the work of the Lord here on earth. I love what, first John, what John says in 1 John 1. He says, this is something we know. This is something we have experienced. This is something we've, that we've seen. The light of Jesus Christ is coming to this earth. It's coming to this world. We know it. We've seen it. We testify to it. He goes on to say that we proclaim eternal life. We proclaim eternal life. You see, the light of God has come through His Son, Jesus Christ. There's hope. There's life. There's this, this opening into the curtain as we see through from this life into eternity. That's what Jesus has done for us. And this is what we proclaim. So the mandate that each and every one of us has been given, not just Cody, not just Leanne, not just their kids, not just Josh and Candy Dalton over in the Philippines. I was talking to Josh this week. He talked about some projects that are going on and, the, and what God is doing there. That's a part of it, but it's not the be all and end all of it. Because each and every one of you has been commissioned. And God has so much more to your life than what you're seeing right now. And it doesn't come in, in our, of our own strength. We say this over and over here at Crossroads. We're called to be an engaged and empowered followers of Christ. 
And engaged simply means that we stay connected to him as closely connected as we can. And the empowered side of it means that we don't trust in our own strength. The fact that God says, I will make you, I will equip you, I will give you all of the tools that you need to carry out the job. You see, the coach, when he turned to me, tapped me on the shoulder and said, go hang out with number nine there, he knew what I was good at. He had trained me. Go hang out in number seven's bubble. How's God wired you? What are some of those things that, as they talk in scripture about deep speaking to deep, as spirit speaks to spirit, what are are the things that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about that you've maybe been putting your fingers in your ears and you've been putting cotton in your ears and you've just been kind of trying to tune it out? I invite you to make a decision today to unplug the ears, to open your heart, to say, yes, God, I want to be empowered by your Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in you and through you. That's what he wants to do. You know, if Cody and Leanne are going on their own strength, man, they need a whole bunch of help. They're not going to be very effective at all, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit in them and through them. Man, world is going to shake over there. And can I tell you the same in your life? If it's just up to you, if you're just trying to manufacture something in your own life and the lives of those around you, but pastor, I've been trying to change my spouse for this. (laughs) Tell me how it's working for you. Well, pastor, I've just been trying to cram this down my, the throat of the, no, tell me how it's working for you. But when you surrender and you say, Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Holy Spirit, would you equip me and would you move in me and through me? You just watch what happens. It's perspective on life. And there's no fear in death. Why? (laughs) Because there's so much, much more beyond. All that God has for you, all that God has for me, all that God has for us if we just let him. So there's joy. There's contentment, there's direction, there's purpose, all those things that God wants to bless you with. I invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes.